through the message. Avinu Malkenu together, our Father and our King. Give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey your word that I hear today in Yeshua's name. So as I said a moment ago, today we are uh, concluding our series on 2020 vision as we enter the year of 2020. And the whole purpose of this series as we met together uh, with uh, Rena and Evan, our volunteer staff, and we just begin to plan out what God would speak to us through this year, the sensing of being able to see what God sees for your life personally, for this congregation, for the world, his vision and his plan. So Rena started off our series while we were off on vacation with the message, what do you see? Once again, it was a message to encourage us that there are sometimes obstacles uh, that prevent us uh, from seeing everything that God sees and that he wants us to take care of those obstacles. Rabbi Michael's message on uh, living with your new vision encouraged us that discipleship was one of the key uh, elements to being able to see what God sees and to walk in that. And if you missed any of those messages, you can listen to them on our podcast. Randy faithfully puts those up every week. Thank you for that, Randy. And then last week, my message was a new view, a new you. And I encouraged us that we all need to put on God-sized glasses so that we could see what God sees and not just see through our, our own little vision. So I want to remind you that those God-sized glasses are important to seeing the vision that God has and to start moving. We talked about letting go of the past and start moving forward into the plans and purposes that God has. So today's message is entitled Laser Focused. So what does that phrase mean? Well, one definition that I found said that it means intensely paying attention to a single object, concept, person, or activity to the exclusion of everything else. Okay, now that sometimes is a little hard, but that's what we recite every week after the Shema. Behafta et Adonai, and love the Lord your God with what? All. All. Well, if I love God with all, where does that leave everyone else? And there is this, you know, tension that is there. How can I love God with all? How can I focus exclusively on God and live in this world? It's a spiritual principle, just like tithing. When you give, God blesses you beyond what you give. And when we love God, with all of our heart, soul, and mind, we are able to love everyone else. So staying focused, laser focus is important. So in order for us to have the 2020 vision that God wants, we need to be laser focused. As we have said throughout this series, God has great things for every person in this congregation, and he has great things for this congregation and for this world. You know, God has not given up on planet Earth. Just in case you were wondering, <laughs> everything you hear in the news uh, might make you think that God has given up on planet Earth, but he has not. Uh, he gave a very, very precious gift on behalf of humanity. And God is not through with humankind. And he has a purposes and plans. And sometimes we can lose sight of that. And that's why we need 
2020 spiritual vision to see what God sees. And friends, it's all about kingdom business. It's all about kingdom business. So our first point is to keep the main thing the main thing. So I want to start off with a verse that I ended last week's message, and that was from Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14. Rob Shaul says, I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Yeshua. So last week I focused on Rav Shaul's commitment to let go of his past. Today I want to focus and look at that first part of the verse and that phrase that this translation translates as one compelling focus. Other translations say just one thing. So one Greek commentator was discussing this word here in the Greek, just one thing, and says that it was a forceful center of interjection. He interjected this into the middle of his thought, which suge suggests this singleness of purpose and concentration of effort. The article goes on to say that Rav Shaul permits nothing, permits nothing to divert him from his course. His aim is specific and clearly defined. So when we are talking about being laser focused, it means we will let nothing, nothing deter us from the goal that is before us. And that goal always relates to kingdom business. This same Greek phrase, that's two words, hende, is used in a couple of places where Yeshua is speaking. First in Mark 10, 21, when the rich man comes to him and and is asking, what do I need to do? And Yeshua responds at the end, in uh, verse 21 of Mark 10, Yeshua looking at him felt love for him and said to him, you're missing one thing. Go sell whatever you own, give to the poor, and you will have riches in heaven. Then come, follow me. What was that one thing? Following Yeshua. Making him the center of your heart and affection, that one thing this man was not able to do. And then looking in Luke 10, 42, this is when Martha, good old Martha, Martha, she loved Yeshua, but Martha had some issues. And in this story, she was upset at her sister. And because Martha's issues can sometimes uh, ooze out of her, think about this, she came to Yeshua complaining. That was chutzpah. Yeshua, you see my sister, Miriam? Can you tell her to get up off her tukas and come help me because I'm in the kitchen all by myself and this house is full of visitors and what does she think she is doing sitting there when I need her help? And Yeshua responds the verse before this, Martha, Martha, my dear Martha, you're missing the whole thing. He says, only one thing is essential, and Miriam has chosen the right thing, and it won't be taken away from her. So what is the laser focus that we need to have on the one thing? It's not about getting a better job. It's not about finding a husband or a wife. It's not about getting a new house. It's not about getting a raise. And again, nothing wrong with any of those things. It's about 
putting God first and loving him with all our heart, soul, and mind. And what does Yeshua say in Matthew? If you seek the kingdom of God first, all these things, the house, the husband, the wife, the kids, the race, will be added to you. But when we seek those things first, then we are missing out on 2020 vision. Laser focus, one thing. What is the one thing? Friends, it's kingdom. It's God, his business. That should be the main focus in our lives. Colossians 3.1, Rav Shaul says, therefore, if you have been raised up with the Messiah, Keep focusing on the things that are above, where the Messiah is seated at the right hand of God. You know, as we go through this journey of life, it is so easy to have our attention turned away from God. Those obstacles or distractions that Rena talked about in her message. Most of us have a difficult situation that we are facing. Life happens. And in the journey of life, we face some challenges. There are some mountains, some bumps in the road, and uh, it's not always easy. And there can be a lot of pain. And I know that there are some painful situations here in this room, and perhaps you're listening to the podcast, and you might be facing something difficult. And it is so easy to focus on that difficulty and on that pain because it's screaming very loud. And it wants your attention and it wants my attention. But Rav Shaul and Yeshua in Matthew where we quoted, seek first the kingdom of God, is telling us if we could focus, keep our focus where it needs to be on God, that these issues and these problems and things that we have will be taken care of. You see, when we look at the mountains, when we look at the problems, we get overwhelmed and we feel like giving up and we begin to feel that our situation is impossible. So think of the story of Kepha walking on water. What an awesome feat. No one in humanity can claim what Kepha can. When we get up to heaven, I'm sure Kepha is going to be repeating the story over and over again. I was there walking on water. He called me out and I walked. But what happened? Kepha began to sink. And why did he sink? What does the Bible say? When he took his eyes off Yeshua, he began to sink into the water. He was doing fine as long as his eyes was on Yeshua. The storm was there. The waves were beating. Nothing changed. It was still there. So what changed? His focus. When he took his eyes off Yeshua, he sank in the storm. Friends, we cannot afford to take our eyes off the goal, the prize, which is Yeshua and building his kingdom. And as we keep that our focus, it doesn't matter what is beating against the boat of your life. It doesn't matter the mountains that are in your way. When our focus is there, we can walk on wa water. We can say to this mountain, be cast into the sea, and it will be done. But we have to stay laser focused. We have to keep the main thing, the main thing, and that is Yeshua and his kingdom. When we're not focused on the difficulties ahead of us, but we're looking at, instead of looking at the difficulties, when we focus on Yeshua, what we see are possibilities. 
And that's what God wants for us. Rob Shaul says in 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22, Moreover, it is God who sets both us and you in firm union with the Messiah. He has anointed us. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are anointed. Put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee for the future. See, there is a guarantee for your future because you are anointed by God. And we have said over and over the scripture from Jeremiah, God says, I know the plans I have for you. They are plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. God's future for you is guaranteed because of Messiah in you and his anointing on you. And the enemy wants you to think that there is nothing in your future. And so God wants to encourage us, make the, keep the main thing the main thing. Yeshua, the kingdom first. The second thing that I believe God would speak to us this morning is to make every day count. Rav Shaul often uses the imagery of athletes in his letters to the Kehilot. So reading from 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 27, he says to the Kehilah there in Corinth, Don't you know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one wins the prize? So then run to win. Now every athlete in training submits himself to strict discipline, and he does it just to win a laurel wreath that will soon wither away. But we do it to win a crown that will last forever. Accordingly, I don't run aimlessly, but straight for the finish line. I don't shadow box, but try to make every punch count. I treat my body hard and make it my slave so that after proclaiming the good news to others, I myself will not be disqualified. And this is about discipline, which Rabbi Michael shared in his message, but it's also about making every moment count. So in this example, Rob Shaul likens himself to a runner and to a boxer. And in both situations, he indicates that the effort that he wants to put in as a runner, as a boxer, is something he wants to make sure will be effective and meaningful to his goal. So one commentator explains it like this. He says, Rob Shaul is saying, I box in such a way as not beating air. At times, a boxer punches but misses his opponent and thus exposes himself to a counterpunch that can be devastating. Rob Shaul tells his readers that he is not wasting his blows on air. Instead, he is a professional who boxes with purpose, precision, and skill. The commentator goes on to say that Rob Shaul resorts to this example only to demonstrate that in his fight, for the Bessara, he does not miss an opportunity. And both illustrations sketch Rav Shaul's deliberate pursuit of his goal. You have to make every day count, and you have to make every moment count. We all know the saying, if you aim for nothing, you'll hit it every time. Rav Shaul is saying, I'm aiming for something. I'm making everything I do count towards the goal, the purpose, the kingdom of Yeshua. It takes effort to run this race and to run it well. We can't afford to live our lives in a haphazard manner. In other words, we need to be diligent in our daily lives to keep ourselves in this 2020 vision, seeing what God sees. 
and what God has for us and what he has for this world. I alluded to this scripture, but Yochanan 3.16 says, this is God's heart. This is God's vision. You know, sometimes we complicate things, you know, but it's very, very simple. For God so loved the world that he gave that none would perish, but all would come to faith. That's, it's simple. Again, we complicate things and trying to figure out these nuances and, oh, there has to be something hidden. No, it's a simple message that forever changed the world, forever changed your life and my life. And we need to make sure that every moment of our life, every day of our life counts. Kepha says this to, in his second epistle, he says in verse one, chapter one, verses five through seven, for this very reason, try your hardest to furnish your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with perseverance, perseverance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. So try your hardest or make every effort. Again, I just went to look at the Greek commentary, and I want to break down these. There's three Greek words that are used here, and they're used in a particular order for a reason. So Kepha starts first with the noun effort, and he uses it, uh, and then he goes to the verb apply, and the last verb is to add. So he writes the noun first, and the whole reason for doing that is to give it emphasis. Now Kepha is from a Hebraic background, and Josiah is taking biblical grammar this uh, semester at, uh, at JTS. So he's talking about, uh, he was working on this assignment, and he came in. He's also taken biblical Aramaic, so I was actually helping him with that last night. And he's talking about uh, the order in, the, in biblical Hebrew. And the verb always comes first. I hadn't thought about this, and I began thinking, is that true? I have to go look in my, in my Hebrew Bible, right? Then I'm thinking of how all of our parshas start out each week, Vayidaber Adonai, Vayomer Adonai, right? The verb coming first. So here in the Hebraic, my, and, and he said, if the noun does come first, it's because it's being emphasized. So here, Kepha, being Hebrew mindset, puts the noun first because it's being emphasized. So the noun effort is being put first, uh, and I mean, and it means diligence, and it even conveys the idea of haste, haste in, in doing what you're doing, and others in, in your diligence to be quick about it. So when God calls a person, he wants to put every effort forward above the divine call and to do it without delay. Then the next verb, the next word, which is a verb to apply, signifies that we must bring our own diligence, bring our own diligence without delay into God's presence and place it next to what God does for us. Even though the initiative in salvation, this commentator says, comes from God, he works out our salvation and sanctification through us. And the last verb to add is meaningful in the Greek because it comes from the Greek word, world of stage and drama. And so it's used of a director of a play who not only coached the cast, but together with the state, because plays and dramas in the ancient Greek were often put on by the state, the government, the director also paid expenses to the members uh, giving the performance. So in other words, this director added his financial contribution to the amount that the state supplied. So this verb is signifying that the believer contributes lavishly to the work of, uh, of God. So 
This is how I put it together. We could say that Adonai is telling us to lavishly contribute our diligence without delay to his vision and his kingdom. To lavishly contribute our diligence without delay to his kingdom and to his vision. Make every day count. Every moment count. Rob Shaul encourages the young Timothy with these words. He says, be diligent about this work. Throw yourself into it so that your progress may be clear to everyone. Throw yourself into it. Some of us are sitting on the sidelines. It's not where God wants you to be. Okay? He wants you to make every day count for his vision, for the kingdom. Not my vision, not your vision, his vision. It's important. You can't be half in and half out of the kingdom. Don't be wishy-washy about your faith in the kingdom of God. Think about it. Yeshua writes to the Kehilah in the, in the book of Revelation, and to the one he says, you're lukewarm, and I have that against you. You're neither hot, you're neither cold, and I'm going to spit you out. Friends, this is not a time to be lukewarm, okay? This is a time to be all in, to love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, all right? And to put the kingdom first, to seek first the kingdom of God, to be laser-focused, and to make every day count for God and for his kingdom business. It's time to stir up a zeal and a passion for the vision of God, for the world, for this congregation, and for your life. Look what Rob Shaul says in Ephesians 5 to the Kehilah in Ephesus. He says, therefore, pay careful attention to how you conduct your life. That's a Selah moment. Some of us need to think about how we're conducting our life. It's not really the best. Live wisely, not unwisely. Use your time well for these days are evil. God is calling us to every day be diligent to pursue the purpose of God and to see his kingdom established on this earth. Laser focus. Keep the main thing the main thing. Make every day count for God's purposes and vision in your life. And finally, God wants to encourage us as we come to the conclusion of this series, don't give up. Don't give up. Looking at the book of Messianic Jews, Hebrews chapter 12, passage that is familiar to many of us. The writer of this book says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Yeshua the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the tree of sacrifice, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. How well are you running the race? How well are you running the race? The writer here once again draws our attention back to where our focus is. 
Put your eyes on Yeshua, the author and finisher of our faith. And keep running. Keep running. Persevere. Don't give up. Why do we need to be encouraged to persevere? Because, friends, this journey is not always easy. I don't know about you, but it's a tough week. Things happening that were a little draining on this rabbi here, right? And in the midst of those tough things and those obstacles, it can be a little overwhelming at times. And we have this enemy who is always seeking to take us out. And so perseverance means that you and I will not allow anything or anyone to deter us from the high calling of pursuing God with all of our heart and our soul and our might. Persevering means we will not allow anyone to dictate our actions. No one can stop us from making the glory of God known in this world today and seeing his kingdom established in our community. Friends, there's nothing so fatal to character than a half-finished job. Persevere, finish the course, no matter what it takes. I was reading an example of a young man named William Wilberforce who was mentored by John Wesley. Many of us have heard of John Wesley. So Wil William Wilberforce was one of his Talmudim. And so this is how the story goes. One night he was discouraged. He lived in the 1790s, just to give you a historical context. After another defeat in his 10-year battle, 10 years he was fighting against the slave trade in England. He was tired and frustrated. He opened his Bible and began to leaf through it, and a small piece of paper fell out and fluttered to the floor. It was a letter written by John Wesley shortly before his death, and he read it again, and this is what it said. It was a letter written to, to Wilberforce. He said, unless the divine power has raised you up, I see not how you can go through your glorious enterprise in opposing that abominable practice of slavery which is the scandal of religion of England and of human nature. Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But if God be for you, who can be against you? All of them together stronger than God? Oh, no. Be not weary, he said to the young Wilberforce of well-doing. Go on in the name of God and in the power of his might. And that is the word of the Lord to you and me this morning. Are they stronger than the God that we serve? And God says, go on in my power and in my might. God wants us to persevere to the end. Don't give up in the middle of the race. He is with us. His power is available. He has a vision for this world, for you, for the congregation. Thomas Edison said that many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. King Solomon tells us this in King Shlomo in Proverbs, Mishle 24, for an upright man after falling seven times will get up again, 
And that's what God's saying. Get up again. Keep going. Keep going forward. There are so many examples. We shared these in many times in the past of people who, who refuse to give up. Albert Einstein, he's one of the greatest thinkers of our time. He didn't speak until he was four years old. He failed his entrance exam into the Swiss Federal Polytechnic School in Zurich when he was 16 years old. Eventually graduating from college, he actually worked as an insurance salesman for a while, but he gave up, but he quit because he wasn't good at selling insurance. But he didn't give up on life. And again, one of the greatest thinkers and scientists of our time. We all know Kentucky Fried Chicken, right up the road here. Well, Colonel Sanders, the founder of that, throughout his entire life, he fell in about every endeavor he was involved in. So at the age of 65, with a $105 Social Security check, he tried to go and sell his fried chicken recipe. 1,009 restaurants rejected him. But he didn't give up. We have Kentucky Fried Chicken right down the road here from the synagogue. Dr. Seuss, one of my daughter's favorite characters in terms of never giving up. Obviously, we know he's a celebrated children's author, but he intended to earn his PhD in literature from Lincoln College in Oxford, but he failed and dropped out of school. After he wrote his first book, it was rejected 28 separate times but he didn't give up. And by 1991, when he passed away, he had sold over 600 million copies of his books in 20 different languages. He didn't give up. Even when obstacles came his way, he didn't deter that from his goal. One more, again, there are so many others. Thomas Edison, again, who we quoted earlier. We know him as a great inventor, and he holds uh, 1,093 patents to his name. But when he was trying to invent that light bulb, he failed over 10,000 times. And we have heard this before when the reporter asked him how it felt to fail so many times. He merely stated, I have not failed 10,000 times. I have not failed once. I have succeeded in proving that those 10,000 ways will not work. When I have eliminated the ways that will not work, I will find the way that will work. Perseverance, not giving up. That's the spiritual principle that we need to apply to have 2020 vision. One last person, Walt Disney. We know him as a success with his Walt Disney Company, but his first company was called Laugh-O-Gram, and it went bankrupt. And it wasn't until five years later after a lot of heartache, that he created Mickey Mouse. And that's the end of the story. We all know worldwide, everyone knows Mickey Mouse. What do these people have in common? They persevered, they didn't give up. They didn't let failure stop them from going forward. Even our example of Kepha, he sunk in the water. But you know what? He continued to go forward and to be used by Adonai. He denied Yeshua three times but yet he preached one of the greatest uh, sermons in Acts where 3,000 people came to faith. His shadow healed the sick, okay, because he didn't give up. And God wants to encourage you and me, don't give up, persevere. 
Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Another story I was thinking of was Kepha and the disciples, and I shared this recently, was fishing all night and catching nothing, and Yeshua came into the scene and he said, cast out the net again. And what happened? So much that the nets were breaking. No matter how many times we feel like giving up, no matter how weary and tired you may feel, no matter how painful the situation is, God says don't give up. And more importantly than just saying don't give up, God promises that he is with you. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. As we said in our Wednesday night study, which I encourage you to come out, God is there to help us. It's not our might. He is there to help us. He gives us his strength, and he comes alongside us in the most painful and difficult times to carry us through to victory. I want to show a short video clip just to illustrate this as we close our message.
that video illustrates the heart of God for every single one of us here. There's not one of us who doesn't sometimes trip or fall in this journey of life. And we may feel like giving up, but God is right there to come alongside of us and to help us to finish the race. God tells us in the book of Isaiah, Yeshiyahu, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be distressed, for I am your God. I give you strength. I give you help. I support you with my victorious right hand. The good news is that you and I can persevere because we have a God who walks beside us. When Kepha began to sink in the water, Yeshua didn't give up on him. Yeshua reached down and pulled him up because Yeshua had a purpose and a plan for Kepha's life. Yeshua has a purpose and plan for every life here in the sanctuary, for every life of the people listening to this podcast. And he's not going to let you down. He's not going to leave you on the track in pain. He's not going to leave you sinking in the water. He says, you can do this. You can finish the race, and I will be there beside you with my righteous, strong right arm, making sure that you finish the race well. So as we conclude this series, God wants you to run hard and to run strong towards his vision and his purposes and plans. Keep your focus on the main thing. Make every day count and never, ever give up. And when you feel like you cannot go on anymore, when you feel like the pain is too much, when you feel like it is beyond you, that is when you throw your arm around your daddy, father, God's arm, neck, and you allow him to help you, carry you through until you get stronger so that you can finish the race. Let's stand as we pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that your word brings life. And God, I pray that the word that has been proclaimed this morning would be bring life to those here in this sanctuary, to those listening to the podcast. And God, that we would all finish the race well. That we would keep you as the main thing. We'd make every moment count. And God, never, ever give up. Understanding that you are here with us, God. That you never, ever, ever leave us alone. And we thank you, God, and are grateful for that. In Yeshua's name. Have a seat for a minute before I close with ironic benediction. Our usher's going to come out. They're going to hand you this little thing, 2020. Uh, I thought about getting 2020 glasses, but I couldn't find them, so this will do. And, you know, uh, last fall we went to a leadership thing, Rena and Evan and Rabbi Michael and I, and one of the speakers there just talked about running the race. And he gave a little plastic flag, of, you know, one of those race flags that they checkered flags. And I have uh, two of them, obviously, my husband's and mine, and I think I might have three. I think I might end up with another one. 
But every time I walk by, it's in one of my bags. Every time I walk into the room where that flag is, I hear this word, finish the race well. It reminds me. So wherever you, this ends up in your house, I pray that every time you see this, you will be reminded that God has given you 20-20 vision to see what he sees for your life. God has good things for your future. And I want you to believe and to see what he sees. And that this year, 2020, is going to be the best year for you personally, for your family, and for this congregation. God is on the move. He is going to do some awesome things in each of our lives. 2020 vision, the vision of God. So I'm going to close with the ironic benediction. I'd like to ask any of my ministry team who is here, uh, Evan and Gary and Myrna, if you can come up. And Rena is, uh, Kathy is going to be available, or one of our board members, to give you your contribution form if you need it, if you didn't get it before. So she'll be at the back to hand those out. So if you have any need that you want prayer, this team is here to pray with you. It doesn't have to relate to the message. It can be anything. We're just a point of contact. It's God. It's God, God, who's going to meet you. But I want to close with ironic benediction. Say Shabbat Shalom Hebrew class at 2 o'clock this afternoon and check the calendar for everything else happening this week. May you go in the peace and joy of God Almighty. May you have 2020 vision for this year ahead. And may you know that you are not alone, that God is running the race with you. In Yeshua's name. Amen. Shabbat shalom. If you need prayer, come down. Our team is here to minister to you.